Welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. It was in 2017 when I had the honor of becoming the lead pastor of this church. Now, some of you, this is the only role that you've ever known me in, all right? But if you were here maybe years before that, you know that Amber and I um, moved here in 2005 so I could become the student ministries pastor, right? Now, I may want to, this may surprise you if, if you haven't been here, is that, that I haven't always been this wise. I didn't even get to the list yet. Refined intellectual calm leader that I am today all right that there was a time when I was 25 and I fit the stereotype of a youth pastor and what that means is there were times when maybe the decision making I could have made some better decisions, okay? And I was thinking about that this week and remembering back to one of those times when I took a group of people, we did this several years, you know this, to Jamaica for a mission trip. If you're here a couple weeks ago, you know that I talked about that shell that I got from there. Well, one year uh, we went, and uh, listen, I knew that these adults and teens would work hard. I knew when we went that these adults and teens would serve and give and and just completely um, be about the trip and the reason we went there. So it was one day out of the week that we would go have a fun day together. It was one of these fun days that maybe my decision-making was put to the test because one year the fun thing that we did is we went to Dunn's River Falls and Jimmy. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Here's a picture of it. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's fun. It's, it's fantastic. And, and if you go to Dunn's River Falls, not only do you get to see the beauty of this area, but they also tell you you can walk up the falls and experience it in a different sort of way. And they said on the left-hand side of the falls, this is kind of the easy way up. It's, it's, the, it's a conventional way up. It's the way up that most people go. If you want a little more adventure, you could go up more on the right-hand side if you wanted to do that. And so we listened to the guide, and we all kind of grabbed hands, and we just began to work our way up the left-hand side. Now, on this trip, we had some teenage boys. On any trip, we have teenage boys there's going to be some moments that put you to the test, okay? And it was during this that one of the boys, um, Chandler, he says, Scott, I want to go up the middle, not the right or the left. And this is the moment I'm talking about where 42-year-old Scott, man, you get to see on stage every week just the wisdom oozes out of me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why you laugh every time I say that. But at 25-ish... I said, hey, go for it. Because if I was a teenage boy, this is what I want to do. It has some adrenaline. It's got some competitiveness. I'm like, yeah, go for it. And so we walk up the left-hand side. I lead people up that, and we get to the top. And I look over, and I see what has happened. 
Chandler has made his way up some of the falls, but there he is at the end, holding on, trying to get that last part up. But the flow of the water is going so hard in his face. It's going against him, and he looks like he's in trouble. So me and another guy, we run over, and we look, and we're like, he needs help. And so we grab him by the ribs, uh, the, the wrist, and we pull him up into safety. I was talking to Chandler this week, and he says, Scott, yes, I remember this moment Vividly, He said, right before you guys got there, he said, I was looking around to see where I could land if it came to that, and there were not good options. He said, like, that, that before you got there, I'm thinking, I am in such a mess. I need to find my way out of this, and you guys came over. You lifted me up. And I'm not saying that I'm a hero today. But I'm also not saying you don't need to call me one either. Because that day, I saved two things. Chandler and my job. <laughs> I want you to put a pause on that story right now. Just put a pause on it. Because there are uh, two letters that a guy named Luke wrote in uh, the Bible. The first one you know really well, I'm sure, it's the Gospel of Luke, the story of the good news of Jesus. It's simply called Luke. Well, there's another letter, and it is called Acts, okay? And if you know much about Acts, you know that this is the story of the beginning of the church. This is the story of the beginning of the people who saw Jesus as the Messiah that they were waiting for. You know this is the story of the movement of the church, and, and you see that over time, as he writes, it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it gets to the point where people begin to recognize it and they begin to talk about the people now you would expect when people begin to talk about this movement they would talk about uh, they would call these people what you think they call them the christians this is not what happened when these people were talked about how they would normally be referred to is as the way or people of the way now, I want to show you some of this in Scripture real quick, just to kind of lead into this series. Show you where they call it, Acts chapter 9. Okay, Acts chapter 9, it says, Meanwhile, Saul. Now, Saul, Saul is going to be Paul in a second. Conversion has not happened. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them into prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, that's the first place. And we jump to Acts 19. We see, again, this time Paul, the conversion happened. Actually, the conversion happened on the way to Damascus when that's happening. It said, Paul entered, verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Okay, we're still talking about that. Acts 19, 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. Acts 24, last one. However, I admit that I worship the God. This is Paul talking again. Worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way which they call 
a sect. Okay, so early Christians, you think they're called Christians because we are called Christians. They are called the way. Now, there's questions of why were they referred to as the way. And many people believe it's because of Jesus' words we see in John chapter 14, where this famously he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets the Father except through me. So, early followers of Jesus, the way was a person. So maybe that's why they called the way. Now, other people... They're like, no, what, what it is, is, is they, they, they see Jesus as the Messiah. He had come, and he is bringing them the way to salvation. Things have changed in Jesus, so he is the way to salvation. And, and, and they would believe that he's bringing, maybe we'd say, a better way to live. Things have changed, and he is the better way. Maybe the answer is it is both and. But whatever the reason, for the next few weeks, I want to have this conversation about the way. I want to have this conversation about uh, these concepts of what it means to walk in the way. How to be people of the way. Because I believe that Jesus changes everything about our lives. And what he brings is always a better way than ours. I believe that when we finally decide, when we finally surrender, we finally say, okay, Jesus, I'll do it your way, things begin to change in our lives just like they did for those early followers. So I want to have this conversation because maybe this year there's some decisions that you have to make. Maybe you're in the middle of some decisions in your life. Which way do I go? That, that, that maybe this year you will live in this better way that Jesus has for you. And one of the things I'm going to keep saying over and over is you can't give yourself to the way of Jesus and go your own way at the same time. Okay? You can't give yourself to the way of Jesus and go your own way at the same time, which means you're put in the seat of making some decisions. That's what I want to talk about. So let's start. Week one, let's start this. Um, all throughout the New Testament, we see these interactions that Jesus has with, um, with people, where he invites them into the better way of living. We see it with one-on-one -on -one conversations. We see it uh, when he preaches to people, we see it in the calling of the first disciple, Andrew. We see it in the calling of his brother, Peter. Like, you know these stories where Peter is fishing and he comes in and Jesus invites him to leave being a fisherman to being a fisher of men, building the kingdom of God this way. That he's always inviting him, hey, here's a better way. This is what I'm inviting you into. So we have these conversations. Now, one of the cool things is we actually have a first-hand account of someone who went through this and then told us about it. We have the encounter with Jesus that Matthew talks about in his gospel. And you find it in Matthew chapter 9, okay? Matthew chapter 9. And I want to highlight this moment in Matthew's life because it's a quick story, but it kind of gives us a picture of how Jesus works 
in these kinds of moments, in his invitation. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. I'm going to start here. We're going to stop after one verse. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and he followed him. Okay, stop there. To a person reading this for the first time. Imagine just reading this for the first time. You've never heard this. Maybe you grew up in church and you know this story. You know Matthew. But imagine, imagine the first time someone reads this. This may not be that powerful of a, a moment in and of itself. The first time. But I want to tell you, moments like this are nothing short of life-changing and maybe what we need to, to, to get to understand how powerful this moment is, is we need to understand why Matthew, and then actually Mark and Luke, tells us about this moment in Matthew's life. Maybe to understand that, we need to put ourselves in the seat of Matthew for a second. Put ourselves in his shoes. And here's a few things we know about Matthew. Matthew is a young Jewish boy. Matthew has a father named Alphaeus. He has a brother named James. Matthew goes by a different name in Scripture as well. His name was Levi. The reason I'm telling you these things is because he is a real person going through real life, real things. Matthew is assumed to be very smart. Matthew can read and write, obviously, and that wasn't always the case. I believe Matthew's family had high aspirations for him. I think Matthew was born with a wiring for achieving because he had very specific gifts that could be used at that time. But something happens in Matthew's life. He nor anyone else really describes what happened in his younger years, but Matthew at some point made some life choices that turned out to not be the best for his life. And we know that because of where we find him in chapter 9. Where we find him in chapter 9 is not a place that he should be. He is in a tax collector's booth but not any tax collector's booth. He's in his. He's in a place that he never should have been. At some point, Matthew made some decisions to become a Roman employee. At some point, Matthew decided that he was going to turn on his heritage. He was going to turn on his people. He chose money, comfort, and power, and the esteem of the Romans. And because of this, He's very wealthy. Because of this, he sits in the seat of success. Now, this story can be on the surface be confusing because you sit in the seat of success. This is looked at as a good thing. We all have this in us of like wanting to be successful, but it's what he was successful in the problem because because of these decisions he's now hated because of this he's now a traitor 
Because of this, he is now the one pushing down. Think of his foot on the neck of the Jewish people. He is the one taking advantage of them. He's the one that is getting wealth off their back. He's the one when we tell all these stories, we just get done through Christmas, of like Jesus came in this dark, dark place. Matthew was part of putting them in this dark place because he's taking everything they have, it seems. Matthew is part of the system of pushing them down. And because of this, it's very likely that he doesn't have a relationship with his family. It's very likely that now he's walked away from what he was brought up to believe about God. Like he's walked away. He has found himself in a place where he is working against the flow of how God created him and what he created him for. And because of this, I just have to believe that things weren't as good as he expected them to be. Life wasn't everything it looked like when he was making decisions in the past several years. He probably had a reason for every decision that he made, but it seems everything wasn't as it should be. And I have that conclusion because we arrive at this moment where Jesus meets him at the tax collecting booth right there in the middle of his life and Jesus gives him an invitation that if he was very happy with his life if he's very satisfied with his life he was very bought into where he was he would not respond the way he did but here is Jesus saying Matthew I need you to follow me now this word for follow is Pretty simple word, pretty common word. It's used over 90 times. It's the word akalutheo. Akalutheo. It's a word. You see this through Scripture 90, over 90 times. What it means is to join or to accompany. Essentially what it's saying is, hey, leave that, join me. Leave that, and come accompany me. This was the invite of Jesus. Now I want you to notice something. Jesus doesn't say to Matthew in this moment, Matthew, believe in me. He doesn't say, believe in me. He says, join me. Accompany me. Come with me me. And I think this is a really important distinction that we need to recognize in this moment, that it seems like sometimes we underestimate or we miss this uh, specific invitation in life. And when we miss it, it changes how we approach life, and it changes how we approach Jesus. Because most of our conversations are, we need to believe in Jesus. Aren't most of the conversations we have a belief in the person of Jesus? And this is so important, obviously. We need to believe Jesus is the Messiah. We need to believe he's the one that came, rescued, died, rose again. He's, he's the way to salvation. That we need to, we need to remember that moment where the Bible says that believe in him and you'll be saved. But when we boil down Jesus' invitation to just a believe in me, I think we miss something very big about life. We miss. Join me in what I'm doing. 
we miss. Follow me in what I'm doing. We miss Matthew. You are living life. Yes, you are. But there's a better way. Matthew, you're living life. Yes, but you are not living the life that I created for you. You need to follow me. Now, I don't know what Matthew knew about Jesus before this moment totally. He obviously knew something, right? It seems like he processed something because there's a pretty quick decision in this moment. Maybe Matthew made it without knowing anything about Jesus, but it seems like he knew what people said about Jesus. He had heard stories about Jesus. Maybe he had done his own investigation on Jesus. We don't know. If you've ever watched um, the series The Chosen, maybe you've watched this before, you, you see their take on this. They give a picture of what this moment is. I don't know exactly what this is, but here's how I think this is. Here's how I think it goes down. Matthew is living his life. But as I said before, everything wasn't perfect. It wasn't as perfect as his money, as his power, as his comfort would tell you. That there's some, it seems like there's something inside of Matthew that knew he needed Jesus to reach into his life and pull him out for something better. To pull him where he's supposed to be. Which brings me back to where I told you to pause. Brings me back to the beginning, the story at Dunn's River Falls. Unpause and think about this. As I'm going through this text, I think you can understand why that story popped into my mind. Chandler, the teenager, he found himself in the place where his decisions led him. He found that going up the middle, which looked great, looked fun, looked memorable, looked like the thing he wanted to do, put him into a place that he didn't expect. It wasn't exactly how he envisioned. He got to the place where his decisions led him, but the more he climbed, the more tired he got, the more he climbed, the more overwhelmed he got, the more he climbed, the more he found himself in trouble. Chandler needed me to jump in, reach down, pull him out of this mess. And what I want you to see is Chandler, this picture from my real life, is Matthew in his real life. And what I want you to even more see is that you and I, in our story, we are Matthew in real life. And this is the story of Jesus over and over and over again. Jesus is always inviting us to a better way. And this simple invitation just says, follow me. Join me. Here's your invitation. The invitation just always sits in our lap where he says, like, I want to invite you to something better. Will you let me pull you up 
so I can show you where I really wanted you to go. Here's the reality of life. We all make choices that land us in certain places. I've had conversation after conversation in, in Pastor Scott mode where people have made decisions. They, they thought they were going the right direction. They're working hard. They found some success, sometimes not. But even when they found the success that they were going for, they've left themselves in a place where this isn't what I expected it to be. Everything that I was making decisions for landed me in a place that it wasn't nearly as good as I hoped it would be. And so it leaves us in a place of wondering why, but I'll tell you, I'm not really a, a guy that fixates a lot on like, how did I get here? It's more like, what do I do now? I think the, the greatest question we can have in our life right now is we all ended up in certain places, certain ways, certain experiences for reasons, but the most important is, what do I do now? See, in Matthew's and Chandler's story, there became a, a moment, almost like a climactic moment, moment in the story of their life where they had a decision to make. And the decision is simply this, will I admit there is a better way, or I keep walking my own path? Don't we all come to this place? Have you felt that conviction? Have you felt that moment where I have to decide, am I going to keep going the way that I have tracked in life, or am I going to admit there is a better way? Now, this decision is different for everyone. How we decide and the, the variables in which we have to decide, the things that are coming against us or in our life, they're all different. And then let me tell you why. For some of you, you can be in a place where you're just like Chandler and you've been holding on and holding on and holding on and you understand the flow of life and how it comes at you. And you got tired and you got overwhelmed, but your story's a little bit different. You didn't have anybody there to grab your wrists and pull you up, and you fell. And you fell, and the place that you sit in right now is more of a broken and bruised and hurting person. Because you fell. And when we sit in that seat... Maybe it's a little more clear where we're like, I need something else because my life is so broken. Jesus, I need you to rescue me. Jesus, I need you to heal me. So I want your better way. Some people, that's your experience, and you just sit in broken and bruisedness, and you need the healing of God. And he's like, hey, I'll give you a better way. Let me walk with you. Join me in what's going on so you can receive healing and so you can follow me where you really should be going. Now for others, you're also like Chandler. You're overwhelmed, you're tired, you're holding on. 
And you're still holding on. And you're still holding on. Right now, you're holding on. And you've got grit. And you've got fight in you left. And you haven't fallen yet, but you are totally tired. And you're totally overwhelmed. But you are holding on. And in this moment, God begins to speak to us. And he's like, you can keep holding on and doing your own thing, but you're going to remain tired. You're going to remain overwhelmed. You're going to remain in these places you are. Or you can admit that there's a better way and you don't maybe need the healing you need specific direction you need direction in your life and maybe today the beginning of the year you'll admit hey maybe i need to go about 2023 in a new way with new direction because my way didn't get me in the best place if you're in those two places Maybe in this moment, you can be like, okay, I'm going to begin the year differently because I can see an issue going on. Varying levels of tired, varying levels of overwhelm, varying levels of issues in life, but I am feeling it. And so Jesus, I will admit you have a better way and I'm going to listen to you this year. Maybe that's going to be your prayer. But there is also another group of people. And you're a lot like Matthew, maybe. And we often forget to talk to you because life actually is pretty decent. Life is pretty good. It's not perfect, but what life is, you have your money, you have your family, you've built up some resources, material things, like you're sitting okay in life. Your kids or your grandkids are doing well in hobbies and sports and in life. Not to make light of it, but sometimes the biggest worrier thing we're thinking about is when is the next time I get to go to the beach? Because life is good. We often forget to talk to this group of people that life isn't in shambles. Well, Matthew, I think, speaks to that as he continues this story. And I want to finish this moment in Matthew's life. Verse 10. He says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And upon hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners so Matthew's just had this experience he's back at his house and he's brought his friends Jesus comes to dinner and the Pharisees see what's going on but they miss the point completely but Jesus is actually very clear in this moment so I think he's saying is if you don't see yourself as sick then you'll never need the doctor Matthew's life was changed because even though he had success, he had accrued things in life. He was sitting in a pretty good place. Even though he did this, he still saw what Jesus was offering him was actually more. 
See, the invitation from Jesus is just not for the broken and bruised and overwhelmed. It's for the person who is doing really well in life but realizes there's actually still something more. As I'm thinking about this message this week, I think part of the problem we don't see people coming to Jesus the way it should be is because we're actually doing really well in life and we don't think we're sick. So we don't need a doctor because we don't see ourselves as sick. And so Jesus is in a room full of sick people and you know he's talking to them because Matthew's sharing his story and these people, the Pharisees, they begin to look on and they're like sometimes us when we look at our life and we're like, I don't need a doctor because I'm not sick. I actually have it together. And Jesus looks at us and goes, you think you do. But you're like Matthew, sitting in the seat of comfort, sitting in the seat of money, sitting in the seat of you've got some things. And Matthew very easily could have just been like, Jesus, I'm good. And this year, we can very easily say, Jesus, I'm good. Or we can approach the year by saying, I, I'm doing okay. Maybe you're not, and maybe today it's like, you see, I got to do things differently because my world's falling apart. But maybe your life is good, but there's still a better way. Maybe, maybe there's some things that Jesus wants to speak to us and say, hey, will you follow me here? Will you leave that and join me? Will you leave this? That feels actually really good, but there's something better. Will you leave that and join me? That I'm wondering if to be people of the way, we have to say no to some things that are good so we can live in the better. I began to think about things, even last night. For our life, are there things that we've said yes to that we never should have said yes to in life? We've committed ourselves in places we never should have. Are there places we've said no and we should have said yes and we've got to stop saying no to it to say the yes because the yes is where Jesus wants us to go. Are there some wrong goals that we've made because they're out of whack with what Jesus wants for us? Do we have vision, but it's not God's vision, it's our vision? Are there people we need to forgive so we can move on? Are there people we need to ask forgiveness from so we can all move on? Where is Jesus looking at your life and going, follow me because, hey, listen, 2022 was its year, but we have a new chance. I know it seems weird because why would I make this decision in January? It's just January. But there's something that happens in this year, right, that we begin to think about things. And I'm wondering if this is a year where we make some decisions and we say, okay, I'll follow you in a way I've never followed you before. I believe he's been speaking to us and giving invitations to us. But unlike Matthew, where he responded okay, Jesus, I'll get up and follow you. We've stayed in the seat in the tax collector's booth, which to everyone around us looks, hey, they're good. 
But we know inside there's something more. So can I challenge you a little bit this year? That if things fell apart, I know who can put them back together. Follow him. If you're really tired, I know where there is rest. Follow him. If you're really good, maybe there's a better way, and that is in Jesus. And that this year can be different. One day at a time saying, I'll get up and I'll join you. I'll get up and leave this behind and join you. This is going to take some prayer because sometimes we don't know exactly what that is, but I believe he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to those deep places in us that maybe we haven't allowed him to really dictate. And so God worked in Matthew's life. Can I tell you, the same God wants to work in your life. The same God is trying to work in my life. What's new for Scott this year? And I actually have some answers to that for myself because I've been asking God this question. I want to follow him in a way I didn't in 2022. I want to know what's next for me. And I want to submit to that because his way is always the better way. And you can't live in the way of Jesus and live in the way of yourself. They don't go together. So I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. But as we worship and we just ask God to do a work in our life, if he speaks to you, the answer always is, I'll get up and I'll follow you. Heavenly Father, thanks for new beginnings. Thanks for new years. Thanks for new opportunities where we can say, hey, I'm going to follow you better this year. It doesn't even have to be drastic, God, but there's just little things that you want us to be passionate about. There's little things you want us to say no to. There's little things you want to say yes to. There's little things you want us to forgive and be forgiven for. There's new goals, but they don't have to be huge. They can just be a little shift in how we operate in life. God, I want to ask you to help me to do more than just believe in you, but join you, follow you. And I ask for our church, God, that we are a church that follows you as we believe you are the Messiah. You've been inviting people since the beginning to follow you. And I believe you're that same God inviting us today. Help us to answer always with a yes. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.